Thank you, Jesus. I think this, this would be appropriate to kick off 2021. Just saying, thank you, Jesus, because hallelujah, 2020 is over, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, I worship you. Yes, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Yes, I worship you. I worship you. Yes, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Alleluia. 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 Lord, we love you. Yes, we love you. Lord, we love you. Yes, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Alleluia. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Welcome. Welcome, Holy One. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We're in your presence. Fill us with your power and come live inside. Fill us wall to wall, head to toe. Let us be believers, not doubters. Let us be filled with the fullness of the gospel of the Christ. 
Let us be filled with that good news from heaven. God, not mad no more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. Christ the Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. Christ the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Alekidia sanda hashubroso etreke shandara bahasure de diria mini diriandara rasia mindi lianda la sera kurata sheta sute kasa ama sumorono kosa sete sete eketete she let us indeed lift up our souls into the heavens let us indeed open wide the gates of our hearts and allow that king of glory to come and, and step into the proper placement to which he has been called, to which he has been placed by the Father on high. Let us give that glory that's due to his name. Bring an offering into his gates. Come in with thanksgiving in our hearts and offer him praise. Offer him thanksgiving. Offer him the glory from our very souls. We thank you, Father God, that you are here that you've raised us, that you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We thank you that you are indeed, through Jesus Christ, Lord over all, all that's in heaven and all that's in earth and all that's under the earth. Jesus, you are Lord. So we thank you for exercising your lordship. Thank you that, that uh, all things of the Spirit of the Lord work together for good to them that love Him, to them that are called according to His purpose, according to Your Word, Father God. 
We thank you for that promise. We thank you for that principle, for that law that you've stated. And we thank you that everything today is working together for the good of us who love you. And we do, Father God, we offer praise and we offer our adoration and offer our love to you. You said it in your word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And we, we commit to that. Lay hold upon that as reality, as our lives, Father God. We thank you. We praise you for it. We bless your holy name for it, Father God. We praise your holy name for it, Father God, today. Today, today, today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Bless you, Father God. Bless you, Father God. Bless you, Father God. Hallelujah. Does anybody have a, a testimony or a praise or something they'd like to speak out and offer for the transition or the transformation from the old to the new? I want to I praise him and thank him for the manifestation of favor that, uh, that I had seen in 2020. There was a lot of stuff that didn't seem favorable and it really wasn't favorable. But look what had happened in the middle of all of it. We, we thank him nightly in, in, uh, whenever we're together and uh, pre-bedtime praising him together. And uh, one of the things is we thank you, Father God, that you've said it in your word. You surround us with your favor. And so we thank you, Father God. We're so surrounded. And then it leaks into our bucket, fills our bucket up. And when someone bumps our bucket, that's what splashes out. It's favor from you, Lord. And that's that's indeed what is what what uh, comes in. We're just bringing that in from the old year into the new. We're looking for the favor of heaven and praise him for his favor that's coming. It'll be manifestation for everybody to see. You know, the word says God said this to the people of Israel in his blessing. Every, all, all people shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord. Well, how will they see that by his favor? by what they see of his favor coming. Amen. 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 Who else has something? They, well, and what they eat is terrible too. So anyway, praise God. Praise God. That, praise God for the favor. Anyway, anyway, you know, we had some, we have a testimony of favor in that arena, Miss Betty. Uh, I had been, uh, I woke up the end of November and I have a, remember my famous car wreck I've testified about dying and stuff. The one thing that happened was that eye tooth got broken in half and they put a Maryland bridge in there and that was 33 years ago. And that thing has been here all this time, but I woke up like 26th of November and the, the back half of the thing had come off. And there's just cage sitting there and I'm going, Jesus, that probably isn't good, is it? I mean, <laughs> probably not real healthy to have the food going behind all this stuff. And I had gone in, and Dola knew a dentist. So I went over to see him and check with him. And he goes and does his thing, a bunch of x-rays. And he says, Oh, this is how much it's going to cost. You need a root canal here and a root canal here. And we're going to put a fake in here in between. And the total price is like $6,500. Yeah. I, I, I was like Fred Sanford. Edna, I'm coming. Edna, I'm coming. <laughs> I did that for him. You know, they laughed and all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got home and, and then Dola tells me about some other place that someone told her about. I went in there, had an appointment, got in there on uh, two days ago. And they went in and did their thing and they said, no, we only need to do one root, one root canal and put a fake right here and just do some deep cleaning of the mouth. We did our x-rays and stuff. And uh, today will cost you nothing. 
And they, some business lady comes and said, well, sign this other piece of paper right here. And it looks like it's going to cost nothing to get all that done. So praise. That's favor. That's favor right there. Glory. Glory to God. And showed them the insurance card and all that stuff. And they said, well, your insurance doesn't cover this and this and this. And then they come back in a little later and said, look, here, sign this right here. You're, you're taken care of. So praise God. Favor, favor. Amen. That's not favor. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Amen. Been shown that all along. I got a lot of little story. Could write a little book of last year in favor. From last year. So praise Jesus. You know, I have a, a leading. We're not going to quit worshiping, but we're not going to want to, to hold off for just a little while. OK, I have a leading to share something. I woke up this morning and uh, we, we've got some ladies Bible study that, that are should be starting up sometime soon that Dola will be heading up here. But I had this leading to speak to to men and you ladies would like to hear this because of some things that could could help correct the men help refocus the men and their thinking toward Jesus and so. And I, I just got this title, Leader of the Pack, How a Godly Man Steps into Headship. Think about that. Leader. That's when I fell. Remember, ladies, that song? That's when I fell for the leader of the pack. Remember that song? That's way back there. Well, this is how a godly man steps into headship. And 1 Corinthians eleven three. Paul wrote this to the to the Corinthians and they had a lot of issues. You understand back in that day, they were uh, there. There was a lot of uh, y'all ever heard of granola. You know what the ingredients of granola is, right? Fruits, nuts and flakes. And, and sometimes through my years, Tulsa, Oklahoma was was uh, when I first moved there was the headquarters of granola Christianity. There was a whole lot. We think a lot of it must have rolled into the middle of the country right there. There was fruits, nuts and flakes among the church. A lot there, you know, a lot of kooky stuff going on there. But uh, Corinth had the same kind of deal. They, of course, had the, the, the occultism, witchcraft and all that going on. But then they had people that people get saved. They were big into the the uh, I guess the best word would be the sex cults of that day. Their gods were heavy into you worship by engaging in that sort of thing in fornication. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, flee fornication, because that was part of their supposed worship of their gods. And that's what their gods encouraged them to do. And so they had a lot of that sort of thing and a lot of uh, uh, kooky ideas from that that they brought over from Greek culture and all. And so Paul was talking to him in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He said, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. He's talking about the home, right? You understand that God, the very first institution that he. What's that? The, the scripture? Yeah. <laughs> OK, I'll say it again. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. God, the father, in other words. So God, the father is the supreme commander and Jesus is the second commander. And then the man is the head under Jesus. And then in the household, that's the way God, he instituted. The very first institution was marriage. You remember that? You could say the very first institution was church. So in a sense of the word, because Adam and father God walked in the garden. I'm sure he was worshiping and teaching him all these things. But then the first human institution was 
marriage and married life and the family, right? So which outlaw are you talking about? <laughs> That'd be the answer question with a question. That's Old Testament days. Yeah. That was culture of that day. You know, I get to thinking about that. Solomon probably had the record. You know, he had a thousand wives and how many concubines that were like a, a wife junior kind of thing. Kind of a junior wife. Well, I, I just I have wondered through the years. I got, I'd think about that and say, how did, Lord, how did Solomon, did he, how did he stay sane? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, can, you think about that just... Just being one and one in a house sometimes uh, creates a strain on sanity, doesn't it? Amen. <laughs> you understand that? So think about a thousand. Think about 12 wives or whatever, 10 wives. The strain on sanity on a, on a fella, right? He's made God made the, the man. It says he made the, the man, the woman and what God has joined together to gather together to gather. They gathered but together. Let not man put asunder. He was talking about right man, right woman, wasn't he? You think about that. Think about the principle he shared out of the Old Testament. Right man, I created the woman and brought her to the man. He created Dola and brought her to this man. (laughs) I wasn't trying to be a comedian, you understand, right? It just... It brought some laughs, unexpected laughery right there, okay? <laughs> All that laughery. Uh, <laughs> the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. And these things are said that I'm saying tonight are said to men who, number one, love their families, number two, care for their families, number three, would die for their families. Did, did the recording go off? Okay, we're good. We're streaming still. So these things that I'm sharing with you are said not not it doesn't matter if you're married or not right now. Maybe at some point that'll happen. Maybe it has happened and not. But it's talking about your family is the ones that you love. You think about that. You know, you may may not have had a dozen kids like some of them that I know, some some of the LDS people I've grown up with, you know. A dozen kids, and that was part of it, you know. May not, that may not have been your reality. Maybe there was one or two or maybe none. But you have family. You have people that you consider family. So this could apply to you, too. You love your families. You care for your family. And you would die for your family. They're that important to you. Uh, another thing that I discovered was this. It means war. If you're a, a fella, you're at war. War has been declared on the biblical family. You go all, the, go all the way back to, you know, you, you can see evidence of that in the USA, right? God bless the USA, but oh boy, <laughs> look what's happened to it. War has been declared on the biblical family. Out of Genesis 3.15, you see the first example or sample of that. Remember, remember he said to the serpent, uh, he's going he's gonna to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. So there's been that war going on since that time for the biblical family. Now think about this. Gentlemen, you're 18 years old. You have the world at your beck and call. I remember those days. The world was at my beck and call. Okay, I was on top of it all. Now, think about this. This is the year 1966. Some of you say, well, I wasn't I hadn't arrived yet. Right. (laughs) I wasn't here. Right. But just think this is the year 1966. 
You have a driver's license, you have a girlfriend, and you have a world of dreams right in front of you that you're prepared to go out and live. And then a strange little series of events beyond your control, you find yourself thousands of miles away from home. Your driver's license is useless there because there's not much in the way of roads anyway and not cars to drive much anyway. Tanks, Jeeps maybe. Your girlfriend is in your wallet. She's on a picture. So she's no longer there with you. And you know what I'm about to say? Good morning, Vietnam. Welcome to Vietnam, right? Uh, You'd give anything to not be here, wouldn't you? Anything to not be here on patrol against the enemy, whoever that was, in those steamy jungles. And I had been over to that area of the world and it can get quite miserable in those jungle areas. Steamy, steamy, steamy. Uh, You've been on patrol before, but this moment, this time is, is a little different. And there is a knot in the center of your gut. And there's a whole lot of fear on the inside of your heart. And it's different because of this one thing. You understand this guy's in the army. And I had neighbors. My own daddy was an Air Force fireman during the Vietnam War. He did not get posted over there, but he was he was in the Air Force as a fireman helping the airplanes when they get down and on fire. And so I have a little bit of a contact with that era. Okay, but it was. Uh, it was a, a terribly dangerous thing. I've, I had a neighbor, Pete, that was a Vietnam infantryman. I have run across some other fellows in the past and talked with them. And they don't like to talk about it. The memories are, are really that bad. It was, it was such a difficult thing for them. Uh, what's different about today with you is that your, your patrol leader has appointed you to be the point man on the patrol. You ever heard that expression, the point man? You understand what that would mean? That, that would mean that you're in the very front. You're in the most exposed position of any of the soldiers because you're out in front. You're coming over a little hill or something and there's a machine gun down there. Guess who they're going to be hitting first or they're going to be aiming at first or they're throwing bazookas or, you know, throwing grenades or anything. You're in the front. You're the point man. It's the most dangerous spot for a soldier because it, that that person, that point person is fully exposed to enemy action. And not only that, the lives of the other troops depend upon your speedy and decisive and accurate actions as their leader on the patrol. You've become a leader. Probably unwillingly, but you're the leader now. And, and so their responsibility hangs over your head like the suffocating humidity, of the jungle that you've all been patrolling through all this time. Uh, one really bad thing about it, you cannot see the enemy. I've been over in some of the jungles in Southeast Asia before, and you, you can't see around the next little curve in the river or whatever, the trailer where you can't see anything because it's pretty dense. So you really can't see what's going on or, or see your enemy. And uh, it affects your thinking, your mind, your brain, your actions, everything. But you have to decide what to do and where to go for the ones that you're leading. Has anybody ever seen the Forrest Gump movie? Yes. If you can remember back in the scene, there was was, uh, Austin from Tennessee or something like that. There was all these different characters on the the platoon. They're going down. And Lieutenant Diane was the one. He was being the point man up there. 
and Forrest was saying, he really confused me because he would, he'd be walking up there and, and suddenly he said, get down, he'd get down. And he said, he really confused me. And then he said, other times he'd say, get up. <laughs> I'm trying to portray him best as I can. And, and sometimes he would stop and get on his knees and look all over the place. And then he'd get up and tell us to come on forward. Well, see, he was doing the job of the point man. So you understand in that instance, nothing happened on that scene, right? They just went forward, nothing happened. But there were, there were other times, the, one of those most memorable moments in the show was whenever they were going along and suddenly, boom, the Viet Cong or North Vietnamese did an ambush on them. You might remember that little scene. And they're running and, and they're all getting shot and running down the road for something, something jumped up and bit me. <laughs> and he he said, but then I remember I grabbed all the other men and I put them by the river. And then I remembered Bubba <laughs> and he ran back and got Bubba. You remember all that? Well, that's kind of the scene you got to get in your mind here. You can't see the enemy, but you got to decide and guide these these men behind you. are the leader. One of your eyes has to focus on booby traps because that was a huge thing in that kind of warfare. Little bitty, little bitty thread wire and you hit the red wire and you've got spears and grenades and things coming in and converging right where you are, blowing you to smithereens or slicing you to pieces. And they would put all kinds of toxins on the tips of those spears and arrows. It was a really bad, bad little deal that you could get involved with. So one eye had to be aware of that. The other eye had to be focused upon what was up above the ground, basically, in front of you. And be ready to catch any kind of movement or anything like that. And you know what? If they say if you hear a bullet, it didn't hit you. It's not killing you. You think about that. If you, if you don't hear the bullet, it gets you. If you can hear the bullet, it missed you, Okay. So the, you got to sit there. You got that all in your mind, weighing you down. And the, the uh, uh, many lives have been lost because and soldiers' bodies mangled up uh, due to the point men being inexperienced and not so wise, not knowing what they were doing. There was a lack of skill or wisdom about the same, and, and they're misreading the signals. They're, they don't have experience at it. So uh, you never see the bullet coming. You're going along here in this in this patrol. And you never see the bullet because you don't see it. You didn't even hear it. Your leg suddenly, it hits into your leg and you feel bone exploding. And you can see off to your right, your patrol leader, his children will no longer have a father. You see that with your own eyes right there. Horrible thing. The gunfire takes his life. And the shock of this takes an instant to overcome before your instant training reaction comes in, takes over your thinking, it takes just a, and then all of a sudden your training kicks in and you have an idea, but you're thinking during this time, am I going to die? Are any of the other men killed or wounded? Where is the gun? Where are the bullets coming from? Cause you can't see nothing. And then, will I lose my leg. You got all these things coming at you at once and you're thinking, and uh, in all the chaos, there's a fellow called the radio man. You remember on the Forrest Gump, there was uh, the fellow that had the radio and come up there and, and they were talking on that. And uh, in the middle of all the explosions and gunfire. 
And so uh, uh, the telephone guy makes his way to the leader of the crew and he's wanting to know what to do, who to call. Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters, I guarantee it. But you're calling HQ somewhere and finding out which direction you're going to call them, tell them where you are and what you're facing right at that moment. So the medic examines your wound and you decide while he's looking at the hole in your leg, you decide uh, the, the next moves for your patrol. At that moment, like it or not, you had a, a platoon leader next to you that got killed just now. You are the leader. That's the reality of the situation. So uh, one good thing, one praise Jesus. The medic determines that the bullet went cleanly through your leg and the bleeding stopped. It didn't really explode your leg like you thought or felt like. So it went cleanly through and the bleeding's already stopped. Apparently cauterized it going through there. So uh, God's mercy was with you. And you know, the point men, most of them fail to survive an ambush like this. But you've had Jesus with you, right? Amen. The Lord is with you. Psalm 91 is with you there. And you're still alive and you're still in control of your thinking. They didn't, they didn't hit your brain, thank God, up there. Uh, two more of your men you discover were struck by the bullets. One of them was struck fatally. And the other one is uh, he's wounded. And so you radio for a chopper to remove your wounded man. You wait for him to arrive. And the jungle around you as you're there, all this pressure on you as the leader, suddenly the jungle explodes with more gunfire, more mortars, more everything else. The worst case scenario has happened to you. It's worse than you thought could ever happen. You never imagined this. And what you say and do will determine whether those under your leadership make it home or make it to lunch that day or, or whether they perish. Now is the time your leadership will have genuine impact on those around you. Uh, if it works, if it works, your half crew will make it out alive with you on that chopper. If not, they'll be lucky to find your dog tags. That's the reality of war there. So now I want us in your imagination, you just were with Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan. OK, and you were you were Austin or one of the point man up at the front up there. OK, Austin from Houston. So let's make a little change of thinking and scenery. You are still in Vietnam, gentlemen. You're still under in the same spot. You're under identical attack at the same location. And this time you're not leading a patrol of soldiers. This time it's your family. This time it's the ones you love. It's your wife, your, your kids, and it's those who matter the most to you. It's your wife and children following you this time instead of four or five soldiers. And you have to lead them through ambushes and minefields and battlefields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And imagine that. Now, would you be motivated? Would you be motivated at that moment, do you think? You'd have all your spider senses working, wouldn't you? Every step of the way, your spidey senses all the way around you. And there you're working overtime with those spidey senses to, uh, to go through there, see them through victoriously. So, gentlemen, you understand now th this is no game, right? Not a little game. This isn't video games. This isn't Halo. 
And I forget some of the other names of them the kids play now. You know, the, the, what's the one that's worldwide that they get on? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty. And, and there are several other. My, what's the one that Chloe wanted to play the other day? She was, matter of fact, started playing. It's one that all over the world are playing at the same time. Robots? kind of. Huh? No, it wasn't robots. Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. Fortnite. So, but this, this is no game that you're in right here, right? I mean, you're the point man. You're leading your family. War has been declared on your family and mine from the beginning of time as we know it. Now let's take a look at the casualty list in the war here. One out of two marriages end in divorce. Y'all realize that? Horrible, horrible. I lived through that as a child. Now, not personally in, in myself, but in my life, but as a child, I lived through that. Uh, the median age of divorce is 34 for men and 30 for women. We're going way back dating ourselves here. In 1960, one of every 10 households was headed by a single female. 36 years later, 1996, that's 24 years ago you think about that. Two of every five households is headed by a single female. Now, tonight, think about this. Enough teenage girls to feel we just went through New Year's Day and the New Year's week with college football. I'm, I'm, that's the one sport that I kind of like a lot to observe and stuff and be, and be part of it all. Uh, college football, New Year's Six Bowls. There are six of them that are huge. Six of them, they'll seat from 60 to 80 or 90,000 in the stadium. So you've got all six New Year's Six Bowl games, say 600,000. And then the Super Bowl, enough teenage girls to fill all six of the bowls. And then the Super Bowl, which is sometimes Superdome's 100,000. So 600 to 700,000 will sell their bodies to survive. That's really sad. Or they're being forced. Or they're being forced, but they're doing it, okay? They're being forced, but they're doing it. It's really sad you think about that. A million teenage girls will get pregnant out of wedlock this year with half of those submitting their bodies to abortionists of those precious babies, you know. 60% of all church-involved teenagers are sexually active. I wasn't, but that's back in the 70s, 60s and all that, but 60% of them. Um, Every 78 seconds, a teenager in America attempts suicide. Now, gentlemen, the question, point men and point ladies, the question, what are you doing to keep your family off the casualty list? What are you doing to keep them off the casualty list? And I know it's happened to many, uh, many, many, many folks in here and elsewhere, many folks have received attacks on their family and, and lost their wife and maybe children and somewhere or another through divorce. You may know what it's like, you know. What are you doing to keep your family and your kids off the casualty list? We need to train our kids as point men, train our children to withstand the ambushes and the booby traps that the enemy throws in their past. Worse than the Viet Cong ever thought. And why is that? Because he's He's, he was created brilliant 
just just under Father God as the worship leader of heaven. And he didn't necessarily lose that. He did something totally stupid, but he didn't lose all that brilliance, really. So think about someone with that, a computerized brain like that that can, can think up everything you can think of to fight you. So you've got to train your kids to withstand the ambushes and the booby traps. Uh, there are no guarantees that we can keep them off that list of casualties. No guarantees. You know, remember we have a a memorial in Washington, D.C. Have anybody ever seen the Vietnam Memorial in D.C.? You can see it on TV, but have you ever actually seen it? They have written the names of all the, the casualties that were incurred there in Vietnam. But realize this, uh, no guarantee we can keep them off the casualty list, but with God's favor and our effective leadership, we can greatly lessen that possibility. And I want to close with this because I may, we may go ahead and just continue down the road on this. Maybe we'll have men in here and ladies or ladies in here and men in another room or something on studies here. Two specific goals of the enemy in his attacks on the family. Remember, that was the first thing God instituted here on the earth was the family. Uh, dad and mom, number one, dad and mom tries to raise children with a focus on Jesus so what does he want to do? He wants to break up the continuity of, of this generational assignment. That's why you're there. That's why Adam and Eve were there. They were to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. How would they replenish the earth? They would get up more godlike humans. They would create them and then raise them up in the admonition, the fear of the Lord, as it says in the Word of God in Ephesians. So break up that continuity from generation to generation. First tactic, sever dad's relationship with mom. First thing, sever the relationship. I've lived through that. I, I've gotten to observe that growing up as a child. So not a good thing at all. Uh, number two, sever dad's relationship with his kids. You know, my, I refer to, the, to him as my birth father. And I don't have it because he kind of sort of like disappeared for years and years and all that. And don't really have this emotional connection per se in any way. But, but yet I do remember the very few times uh, in his heartbrokenness and all. And then whenever he did show up way later in life, his heartbrokenness at being separated, at the relationship being severed. I do remember that. And I determined that would never happen if I could help it in my case. And that never really has happened in our case. But that's the two tactics. Point me, point, point me. What am I th trying to talk in tongues? I'm sorry up here. <laughs> that's the two tactics of the enemy, the Viet Cong, spiritually speaking, to come against this unit that God instituted. You know, I remember leading a wedding off a few years back. Uh, I, I said... Uh, Welcome to the wedding of, of uh, Noah and, and, and Tina, Noah and Tina. We're welcoming all of you to the wedding of Noah and Tina. Thank you for coming to, to support and lend your, your assistance and your blessing to their union. Uh, I wanted all of you to know this and, and the two of you to know this. Marriage is a great institution if you like living in an institution. Everybody cracked up, kind of hit the floor of that. Yet it really is. So that was the first institution created by the father. But 
there is a war on that. And we gentlemen, we point men have to step forward as the leaders. And if we are the point lady, we do the same thing. Step forward and offer, uh, train our loved ones and those that we're leading in withstanding those ambushes and attacks and booby tracks and all that. And that is the end tonight. And you know what? Dola should be proud of me. I'm finishing right at the time allotted tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you tonight that we've come together in the koinonia of the Holy Spirit, that we can come together and lift up that name above every name, live by that name and in that name and through that name, Father God. We thank you for that. Praise you for that, Father God, for that opportunity and privilege. We thank you for binding us together with the love of the Holy Spirit, for letting that love of Christ in us be flowing out by the Spirit of God. It says, shed abroad by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. So we, we thank you for that privilege, that opportunity. We thank you for granting us complete, total favor, the flavor of favor in our lives because you said it in your word and you promised it. We thank you for it. And we praise you for the blessing. Thank you for the blessing, Lord. We thank you for that. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. We accept that, receive that, walk in that, continue to spread the good news, the gospel of Christ. In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. We thank you for that, Father God. Thank you for this word. This word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes what you purpose and brings forth your will in this earth. We submit to that will, submit to that word and believe and accept and receive and embrace it tonight. In that name above every name, everybody said, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his shalom, the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the communion or friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. Amen.